The vicious voices of the right are out in full force, and it's time for us to get up and organize against the heartless attacks on our civil rights. Start your morning diving into the headlines and issues that matter to our everyday lives, speaking with changemakers and hearing from you, our listeners. Hear your host, Zerlina Maxwell, break down the top news, push for solutions from officials who represent us, and call out the misinformation and hypocrisy that surrounds us, plus the engaging stories that keep you energized. Get your morning boost of politics, culture, and everything you need to start your day. It's always darkest before the dawn, but the dawn is here. Shining a light on the ruthless forces across the aisle and rising for a brighter future for all of us. This is Mornings with Zerlina. Welcome to Mornings with Zerlina. I'm Zerlina Maxwell. Joining us on the phone is Professor Jonathan Cox. He's an associate professor of sociology at the University of Central Florida. And he's here to talk about how Florida's new supposed anti-critical race theory law impacted the courses he's decided to teach. Thank you so much for being here. Good morning. I'm very glad to be here. Thank you for having me. So I, I read your story in ProPublica in, in a long reported piece about um, some of the repercussions after the critical race theory law down in Florida was passed. So what happened with you? What were some of the things that you had to consider as you started your fall semester? Sure. So, I mean, I think uh, there were just a lot of different potential consequences, a lot of unknowns for this, which was kind of the hard part, right? And so um, we knew that this law was being passed, um, which was effectively banning the teaching of many of the concepts that uh, a lot of us social scientists, particularly me, somebody who studies race and racism, um, teach in our classes, right? Concepts that have been around for decades that we have a lot of empirical evidence for. Um, yet, again, because of the law um, and the way it was written, um, we were not able to talk about these things in certain ways. Um, and, you know, it was also very ambiguously worded. Um, and so it made it really difficult to understand like what was even gonna happen. And so, um, you know, for me, I really kind of had to weigh the decision of, um, well, hey, you know, I, somebody could come after me for um, teaching these concepts or you know, if the interpretation of the ways in which I was teaching these concepts um, was just, you know, mistaken or somebody decided they wanted to intentionally, you know, misunderstand what, what I was saying and what I was teaching then it could be really bad for me, right? I could end up losing my job as a result of investigations. The university could uh, lose significant funding from the state, um, which kind of incentivizes it to, to make sure that these things aren't happening. Um, and so as a result of that, kind of going back and forth and then you know, combined with my own personal situations at the time, um, I decided the best option was to just cancel the courses that I was gonna be teaching, at least to wait and see how this law was gonna play out, what you know, what they were gonna be doing on the back end of this. Um, so it was really an agonizing decision, but yeah, just one that really kind of caused me to stop and pause, really had to stop and think like what, what's worth it at this point, um, despite what I'd love to do and want to do. Um, I just needed to make the best decision for me and my family at the time. What were the what were the, the names of the classes that you decided in the fall semester not to teach? Sure. So there were two uh, undergraduate courses in particular. One was uh, race and ethnicity. It's kind of just a, a broad course about uh, the ways in which race uh, exists and plays out in our society. Right. Just kind of a general level of racial understanding understanding of racial inequalities. And the other course is race and, race and social media is a course that I created once I started at UCF, um, just to help students understand the ways in which race and racism are embedded within and exist within uh, digital spaces, social media spaces, right, where we, we tend to think that those things don't happen because they're right kind of these digital virtual online spaces. Um, but we bring a lot of that stuff in there with us. So really useful information for everybody. 
I know. So when you say the, <laughs> what these classes are, I'm like, these would be really helpful um, for <laughs> any, any American student to take. I mean, when you set up to teach these classes, I think, I, you know, the critical race theory laws are passed on the pretense that white students will feel bad if they learn this mm -hmm. information. So I, I want you as the professor to explain how do white students, from your perspective, benefit from classes like yours? Yeah. And so, I mean, I think it's really important also to address first that, right, if 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 you're making any student feel bad about who they are, um, you know, their their history or you know ancestors or anything, then I, you're doing something wrong. Right. That's never my goal. Um, right. And we, we talk about those things openly in, in the courses that I teach. Oh, these are really beneficial um, for white students um, in particular because. Uh, the United States is a very segregated place, which I think most of us, you know, kind of understand. Um, white Americans are the most segregated group um, in America. And so when we think about the fact that students, uh, particularly in K through 12 settings, don't really get educated on a lot of this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Like they don't get a, an accurate portrayal or full and accurate portrayal of history, right? What has happened between various groups, some of the things that have existed with regards to racism or other inequalities. Um, and so they get to learn about those things in these classes, right? They get to see the ways in which race and racism still have significance in our society now, um, which is important, right? Right, Since post-civil rights, right, we've mm -hmm. been really in this kind of post supposed post-racial space where, you know, race is not supposed to matter or be a significant feature for people's uh, social outcomes. And we just know that's not the case based on data. And so students really get this information in this class. They get to think about it. They get to talk about it in ways that they probably didn't when they were younger and coming up. Um, which is just hugely beneficial. And the students tell me that, right? Not only the white students, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's impactful for them. It's also impactful for other students. I think a lot of people tend to assume that people of color, you know, know everything there is to know about race and racism just because they're, you know, uh, they're black or Latino or whatever. Uh, but that's not the case, right? Like, mm -hmm. we, we still need to learn these things, right? There's, again, evidence and things that we need to talk about. And so they all tell me, almost down to a student, oh my gosh, I never knew about these things. Nobody ever told me. Whether or not they end up you know, agreeing with certain points of view or not, that's a different thing. That's not the point. I'm not trying to make that happen. I just want to let them know this is what it is. This is what happened. Here's how it impacts, right? What's going on right now. And they see it as beneficial. I mean, I think it's it's so obvious for, for the folks out there who are listening that have taken either classes like this or read books um, in this uh, subject area, because I feel like it expands your mind, right? Critical mm -hmm. thinking is a good thing. And I think right. as an uh, associate professor, um, your your job is to to expand and open the minds of young people so that they can look at the world differently than maybe their preconceived notions because they grew up in a segregated area and didn't have act you know exposure to other races and ethnicities mm -hmm. and types of people. Um, in this upcoming semester, you decided that you're going to teach these classes. Why did you change your mind? Yeah, so I mean, a couple of things. One, um, I, from the beginning, I really hate, uh, in some senses, backing down, particularly when I, mm. I feel like I'm on the side of right. All right. And so again, I know that what I'm teaching, I wasn't teaching the ways that they're suggesting that we are teaching right, in any negative ways. Um, and so I, that was a problem for me. Um, and then second was the fact that, you know, my particular social, like my situation changed a little bit. Um, so the original decision was in large part based on the fact that, um, you know, I had just had a, a daughter recently. My wife was um, taken off of work. She had resigned from work to be able to stay home. And so we only had one income. It was mine. Mm. And so if something happened, I was to lose that. Yeah. Like we were in a real big problem. Um, and so my wife ended up going back to work uh, recently. 
um, and has a really nice job again. And so now we're two, two incomes. And so at this point, I feel like uh, that's changed. And then also, I think I have a little bit better understanding of the law itself, kind of how it's supposedly being implemented um, and how the universities are, are around are kind of responding. And so it just, I felt like I was in a little bit of a better place to just say, you know what, forget it. I'm going to go ahead and do what I love to do and what I know is right. Um, and, you know, consequences that they're just going to be what they are. I mean, I, I, I think it's it's cool to see um, and hear your thinking, um, because mm -hmm. I think <laughs> often when we see stories like this in the news or if Ron DeSantis is making a speech bashing critical race theory, you don't really get to talk to the people who are impacted by that rhetoric right. and subsequent laws. And so this conversation, um, I think, is a really important one as people continue to see attacks on critical race theory like this is affecting what people are learning in classrooms. And that's not necessarily a good thing. Why do you think people are afraid of classes like yours? I mean, why do you think even we don't even have to get into like the fact that some of it is in bad faith. Right. right. But why, why <laughs> even even just let, let's put those people aside, the, the people who have orchestrated okay. this as a sort of a narrative specifically to gain advantage politically. That, mm -hmm. That's the thing that's happening. But there Absolutely. are just everyday Americans that you know hear a, a class about about a class about race or hear the term critical race theory and they don't like it they're afraid why do you think mm -hmm. that is yeah so i mean I, I definitely think part of that is what you're talking about right some people just kind of listen to the bad faith actors right and so then they they just take that information um and kind of roll with it um other things that kind of come up is is we could go into like what i talk about in one of the classes right on social mm -hmm. media and so we're we're all very siloed in our um you know in our social spheres and so we're often not getting information from different views or different ideas it's usually just you know reinforcing and echoes of what we already believe and so there's that reinforcement and then i think you're the a big part of it is that you know for decades now uh, right we have been pushing this post-racial narrative we've really made it difficult to have conversations about race, racism, and other inequalities, because it's a thing we're not supposed to talk about, right? It's taboo. Um, and then some people also then falsely associate that with, well, if you talk about racism, that must make you a racist, right? Like, that's not the case, right? You can learn about history, um, obviously not in order to make sure you don't repeat it, but then just to have a better understanding of these things. And so some people, I think they just get a little uh, scared because they don't understand what some of this stuff is. They may assume that people are going to be uh, trying to force white people to uh, you know, take take current ownership for past wrongs, right, in, in particular ways, right, again, and that's through, like, feeling guilty or feeling bad about stuff that happened before, which is, if you really listen to right, a lot of people um, who are, you know, oppressed in various ways or facing racism, right, that's not something they're asking for. Mm -hmm. Like, I know for sure I am not raising my hand. I am not at all asking for white people to feel sorry or guilty about that, right? It's just to acknowledge that these things have happened. Um, and so I think that a lot of people just get into that space where um, they're worried about what it would mean to learn about some of these things, um, because some of them just, again, falsely think or incorrectly will say, think that learning about it will, you know, make them racist, talking about them will make them racist, um, or that it's just going to make things worse. Um, but that's, you know, that's not the case, right? It's it's better to talk about things. That's the only way you can address problems is to actually directly address oh, them. I, so. I definitely believe that. That's why I ended up <laughs> as a radio host because I, I'm like, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about yeah. it. I don't, I don't like it when people sit uncomfortably 
and don't talk about the elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I, right. I want to talk about it. The elephant's got spots all over it. It's yelling. <laughs> it's making noise. Like we, it's in the room, and we, I'm gonna talk about it. Don't you see the elephant right there? And like yeah. I'm not gonna pretend that it is not sitting there. You mentioned the post-racial narrative, and I, I often mm-hmm. bring that up because I. I, I bring it up as a joke. I mean, it was a, it was a joke when they used to say, are we in a post-racial America? Like, no, we are not. <laughs> and no one who is black is saying that. <laughs> like, right. no one who is a person of color is saying that. Um, and, I, and I always thought that that was so misleading in, in a way to, to allow for not actually addressing some of the systemic equalities that people recognize if they study critical race theory, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like Absolutely. part of the post-racial narrative was to never have to address the systemic inequalities to just be like, well, we're in a yeah. post-racial world. <laughs> if you can't pull yourself up by your bootstraps, even though you don't have boots, then it's your right. fault. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's, again, that's, there's, there's power in that narrative, right? Because then that makes it, it makes it difficult for us to talk about certain things. And more importantly, it makes it difficult for us to change these things, right? Mm-hmm. Like the systemic inequalities continue to perpetuate themselves if we don't, actually address the underlying problems right and so like that's really what's happened um and then that also that narrative really also grows out of the uh historical attempts to do something about those systemic inequalities right and so every time throughout history that we see some type of progress being made or some type of acknowledgement of some of the atrocities that have happened or the unfairness that just continues to exist there's always a pushback and so that's we're seeing you know another iteration of that pushback here now because a lot of this came out as you know like right after um kind of the big uprisings after the murder mm-hmm. of George Floyd, right? And so people really started pushing back, um, which is it's interesting because you listen, if you, you listen, watch the polls and all these other things, right? Um, even a majority of, of conservative Americans actually believe that we should really be talking about some of these things, right? And so it's really interesting then to see how that post-racial narrative continues to hold sway over a majority of us in many ways in terms of what we feel like we can talk about and do. I want to talk more about race and social media because I think that, mm-hmm. Um, or in a moment where Elon Musk owns Twitter, and that is a new development, um, which has actually yes. made Twitter a different social media platform than it was before he owned Twitter, because um, a lot of the you know guardrails for hate speech have been removed, and a lot of the literal people who are in charge of protecting space and the safety of the users have been removed from their positions. They don't work at Twitter. I mean, does that change what happens in your class? Because I feel like there's there's so many new developments um, on social media's uh, platforms right now when it when it has to do with race and hate speech in those platforms. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that definitely changes things, right? Because it's it gives us something else to talk about, right? We you know whereas before we were you know talking about the ways in which you know again algorithms and technology were set up, where we talked about how they're um, the the monitoring of you know hate speech, what's considered hate speech, and how that then gets leveraged against. Um, for instance, black uh, social media users more so than others, right? And in very unfair and inappropriate ways, right? We want to talk about those things. And so this whole thing with Twitter and all the things that continue to happen just provide like new ways for us to discuss. And that's one of the reasons why I created this course, right? Because we can actually address things that are happening right now that are ever changing as we're developing, you know, they're developing stories. Um, And so it gives us an opportunity for students to really stay engaged um, right to really develop those critical thinking skills alongside dealing with these things in real life, right? Which is also really important. 
It's so important because they're users of the, these platforms, so they need to understand this stuff. But also, they're probably going to go on to run platforms like it right. or create new platforms in the future. And if they don't understand that, yes, algorithms can have embedded bias, then that, that'd probably be bad. Like, that, you want to yeah. train up people who are going to re- develop these platforms who understand that they need to look out for bias in, um, co- encoded, literally, um, in yes. algorithms so that they don't, cr- you know, duplicate those errors absolutely right it's only becoming more ubiquitous right it's not like we're getting less technology it's taking off more and more and so we're seeing those same things expand into other fields so yeah critical i mean i was even thinking thinking that last week as i tried to get the ai filter on tiktok to make it look (laughs) like my face i mean one of the things i think is happening is that there's something in that in the coding in that that it's it has difficulty if you're not white it doesn't yes. quite capture oh, it correctly if you're not 100%. white. <laughs> um, I don't know what, you know, reporting is going to be done to prove that point or research is going to be done to prove that point. But that's what it feels like to me as I'm looking at people figure out if that um, filter. And if you're not on TikTok, you have no idea what I'm talking about, <laughs> which means that you should get on TikTok because one of the things that's different um, about TikTok, but I guess it's similar to Twitter in this way, is that there are things mm-hmm. that are actually happening on TikTok that are part of culture now. They're, it's like creating culture. Oh, yes. Um, and there are jokes and sounds and like things that happen on songs that happen on TikTok that if you don't know, if you're not on the platform, you will miss the joke. People will be like, it's a chicken salad and you have no idea <laughs> what is happening. And like, and then three months later, you know, you get, you finally, it finally makes it to Facebook and then you're like, you catch mm-hmm. up. But like, right. You, so highly recommend um, going on TikTok just to like be in the know with what what the kids are talking about. Um, the other question I had for you is, do you discuss this with other professors who teach the same mm-hmm. thing you do? And have any of the other folks um, that you've spoken to canceled classes or made the same decisions you have? Sure. Yeah, I've definitely spoken with a lot of them. I'm um, right. And so I mean, in terms of my department, we all the the there are a few of us in the in the department who teach classes specifically on the concepts that were banned based on this law. And so we all kind of talked and decided that we were going to cancel our classes for that first semester, at least while we kind of waited to see what was going to happen, Um, which is one of the things I appreciate about my department in particular, right, is where, you know, I felt like there was a lot of support there, right? Like my department chair, I mean, other leadership were really like, hey, like this is going to impact you. This impacts us all. And so like, we want you to be able to decide what you want to do. We don't want to force you to do something that could put you at risk. And so I appreciate that. Um, And then other people I've spoken with, particularly here in Florida, right? I have some other colleagues Mm -hmm. at different institutions kind of talked about either canceling courses or just modifying them significantly, right? Saying, well, I can't talk about this thing or I have to figure out a new word to use here because this is what the law says that we cannot talk about in these ways. Um, And so most of us were just really unsure of like what was gonna happen, what were gonna be the consequences as if somebody, um, you know, said something, because again, most of in most of our experience, we don't have students really saying negative things about what we're teaching. Or you get that odd student every now and then where, who just either doesn't want to take the class and they have to, or they just really adamantly disbelieve a lot of things. Um, but that's fine, right? Like, I've never actually had any problems with with students like that, right? We, we engage in conversations. But yeah, a lot of folks um, just modifying their, their content. Um, or just outright deciding to teach something else. Um, and some departments and other schools I've heard about as well have just decided like, hey, we were just going to scrap these courses for now um, and then we'll figure it out later. I mean, it's frustrating to hear because the irony here is that the same folks who are passing these laws, which are restricting speech like 
from the government um, mm-hmm. are the same people who are like, we need free speech. I mean, like the irony right. that is, is really strong. <laughs> like, yes, right? absolutely. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> what's crazy is that it ends up like hurting their case as well, too. Right. Because the whole point is to develop critical thinking skills, to be able to hear. Like a, a lot of this is a reaction, I think, too, to um, push back against. Uh, certain views and ideologies that have become associated with, you know, certain aspects of conservatism, not all, right? Mm-hmm. But, um, right, so certain people want to come to campus and give talks or whatever, and people push back against that. And so then they're responding to that with more censorship. Which, mm-hmm. So it's like going to hurt you too. I don't really understand, right? Like you're, nobody's going to be able to talk about anything. What are we going to be here for? Right, like what, what are you going to be in <laughs> class about? You're just going to sit there and stare at each other. Exactly. <laughs> you know, because nobody can talk about anything because it's all off limits. I mean, I, I feel like I, I I feel like sometimes I do end up in the, you know, in the Venn diagram somehow with the mm-hmm. with the free speech folks, because I'm somebody who does want to talk about these things. I think and so, and I'm not saying that, you know, you may not feel some level of discomfort in talking sure. about some of this stuff, because some of the stuff that's happened in history is ugly. It should it's make you feel uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. So so you should not feel comfortable. Um, and, and I don't want people to feel shy away from conversations because they feel discomfort. I want you to sit in the discomfort. I want you to mm-hmm. marinate in the discomfort because we ha- the, the only way we progress is if you actually like sit there, think about it. We like make different decisions right. going forward. Like it's life, but it's, it, you know, um, it, it seems like a simple lesson to me. One of the other things um, I asked you about earlier on in the conversation about w- how white students could benefit from classes like this. What are mm-hmm. white students losing if they don't take classes like this? Like speak to, um, you know, any potential future students out there mm-hmm. who, who are looking at, you know, maybe they didn't even sign up for their semester, although I, I feel like kids are starting college this week um, right. back after the break. But if they didn't sign up, I mean, why why should a class like this um, be one that they should want to take? What are they losing yeah. mm-hmm. in their learning Absolutely. journey if they don't take classes like this? Yeah, I mean, I think and that's that's the part of the key point for me. Right. And so I think that some of the things that they're losing. Right. One is that critical thinking skill. Right. You're going to have to engage with ideas that are different from your own, with things that you don't like throughout your life. That is just a reality. And so it's better to learn how to do so in productive ways. That's that's part of it. The second part is that the world is doing nothing but getting smaller because of technology, et cetera. Um, and it is becoming more and more diverse because of that, right? Particularly in the United States. And so it's helpful to be able to understand differences, right? To understand how society is set up in ways that benefit some at the expense of others, right? And so those things are really helpful. And if, if you're somebody who cares about you know, your country, about your world, about the society that you're living in, then you want to know what's going on and, and understand ways that you can make it better, that you can contribute, right? And so learning about these things is really important because it it gives you perspective of other people. Um, it helps you see, uh, right, like how the lives are, maybe some of your friends or family members who are different from you, like what are they experiencing that you might not be? Mm-hmm. Um, and what things can you do to kind of help push us forward in these positive ways, right? Um, it just kind of gives you that ground foundation. And then you can take it in whatever direction and towards whatever perspective you want to levy it towards, right? But it's it's useful for everybody to do so. And so students need, they really need this information. Because um, again, it's all, it's history, right? And if you don't, if again, what, what's that old adage, right? If, if you don't understand or know history, right, you're doomed to repeat it, right? We mm-hmm. don't want to do that. We got, <laughs> humankind isn't doing too well in some areas right now. So we want to make sure that we're doing better. And so this is this is helpful for us to understand. Um, and so that's why I think that students should sign up for these things to, to learn about this 
to be able to engage in those discussions across difference uh, because it's not going to do anything but make your life better. It's so true. I mean, one of the funniest things I, I find about the debate over critical race theory and really just the accurate teaching of history is this idea that the people who lived through a lot of this history are not still here. Like you can lie about right. the history if you want, <laughs> but like people who lived through Selma still are alive. Mm -hmm. Right. So you so you could be like, that's not what this was. And it wasn't really that violent. But like you I mean, I've met Amelia Boynton. Right. <laughs> so like you can't you can lie about it if you want to. But people who live through part of that history, they're still here. We can Absolutely. still ask them. And so it is it's it's like, you know, sometimes I feel like it, it people are delusional um, when they when they push for laws like this, not understanding that, like, you can just go ask somebody who lived through Jim Crow. You don't need right. I mean, I, don't, I can I can go in a book. I could. But I also mm -hmm. can just go ask my aunt. You know what I'm right, saying? Like, exactly. I, I feel right. like, you know, you can you can try to shield me from this information. But but I probably will get it by talking to a person <laughs> who has experienced Absolutely. it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. My, you're talking about like my grandparents and, and stuff were great grandparents were like sharecroppers. Right? Like that's what right. happened. Like, I can ask some questions. My mama talked about like mm -hmm. picking. Uh, tobacco, you know, for money when she was a little kid in North Carolina, right? Like these things exist. <laughs> they happen. I mean, you could act like they didn't, but you know, I can call my aunt who yeah. was in Selma. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, she's, right. she's not even that old. She doesn't have a lot of wrinkles even. Um, mm -hmm. Professor Jonathan Cox, associate professor um, at the University of Central Florida. Thank you so much for being here, sociology professor. This has been a really great conversation. I hope that people out there, even if they maybe they tuned in by accident and they maybe had some questions about critical race theory or what happens in a class like these, classes like these, um, I hope we answered your questions. I feel like um, it's exciting to hear that you've, you're going to teach these classes this semester. Um, and I hope that more professors out there, more associate professors out there um, make that choice. Um, if, even in these conditions, because people need to know this information. It makes them just better. It just improves them. Improves yes. all of our lives. I agree. Thank you so much for having me. This was uh, fantastic. I really enjoyed the conversation, and I do hope that it you know, helps some people understand things a little bit differently. Me too. Thank you so much for being here again, and please stay safe. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Zerlina. Check in for new episodes every weekday.